The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Lifting up his eyes to heaven, Jesus prayed, saying, Holy Father, I pray not only for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, so that they may all be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And I have given them the glory you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be brought to perfection as one, that the world may know that you sent me and that you love them even as you loved me. Father, they are your gift to me. I wish that where I am, they also may be with me, that they may see my glory that you gave me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Righteous Father, the world also does not know you, but I know you, and they know that you sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will make it known, that the love with which you loved me may be in them and I in them. The Gospel of the Lord. Today we hear in the Gospel this beautiful high priestly prayer of Jesus. And in this prayer, we hear Jesus praying for unity among his disciples. And though this prayer is so utterly beautiful and so deeply profound, It is also very challenging. And the reason why it is challenging, of course, is because this unity that Jesus desires for us is modeled upon the unity that exists between him and the Father. And in this unity between Jesus and the Father, there is a total oneness of heart and mind. There is no grasping. There's no trace of selfishness. There's only the complete giving of oneself and the perfect receptivity of the other. And then Jesus implies then 
that this is the way it needs to be among his disciples. And that this is the way it needs to be among us. And almost, at least for me, automatically, as soon as I hear this, I think to myself, how can this even be possible? It can almost seem too idealistic. It can almost seem too spiritual. And yet the church in her wisdom gives us many aids that can help us towards a greater unity, both within ourselves and one another. And I'd just like to spend just a moment here this morning reflecting on what I believe to be the most profound path of unity. And that is the way of Mary. I spent the first half of my religious life trying to follow Christ by myself with what I would label as a basic love or a basic devotion to Mary. And it wasn't really until I gave myself fully to Mary that I began to notice a greater change in myself, a greater unity in my own heart, and a greater unity in the fraternal dimension of my community and our apostolic endeavors. St. Augustine says that Mary is the living mold of God. In other words, everyone who gives themselves to her will be molded and formed into becoming more Christ-like. And St. Louis de Montfort says that everyone who allows themselves to be formed by Mary will take on a faithful likeness to Jesus with no possibility of distortion. And the reason, he says, is because the devil has never had and never will have any access to Mary. Hence, Mary is that safe, that secure, and that reliable place where we can be formed. Why is this relevant for us today in this seventh Sunday of Easter? Well, at least liturgically, just a few days ago, we celebrated the Feast of the Ascension. And so right now we are post-Ascension and pre-Pentecost. And where are the disciples right now, at least biblically? 
They are with Mary. St. Luke tells us in the Acts of the Apostles that after the ascension and after Matthias is chosen to replace Judas, that the disciples are gathered in the upper room where he says they devoted themselves to prayer together with Mary, the mother of Jesus. Is it just a coincidence that Mary is there and that she is even mentioned? Of course not. Mary has been molding and forming the disciples since the crucifixion. After the crucifixion, John is privileged to take Mary into his home to live with him. And what is Mary doing there? She is forming him. She is unifying his heart. She's unifying his mind with the gospel. And how do we know that? Look at St. John's Gospel. The Gospel of St. John is the most profound work that has ever been written. How did St. John write such a profound gospel, given the fact that he wasn't a trained theologian, he wasn't a trained philosopher or writer? St. John was able to write such a profound gospel because he was living with Mary and allowing himself to be formed by her. Every day in his home, he spoke with her. He listened to her. And he served her. He gave himself in love and devotion to Mary. And what did she give him in return? She gave him Jesus. She gave him a deeper knowledge of Jesus, a deeper understanding, and a deeper love of Jesus. And what did all of this do for St. John? It unified his heart, which in turn unified him with the other disciples. What Mary was doing with John was what she was doing with the other disciples as well. That is why she is with them and why it's recorded that she's with them after the ascension and before Pentecost. What is she doing there besides praying with them? She is unifying the disciples, the disciples who are weak men, 
The disciples who are confused and who are still trying to process all of the events of the past 40 days. Mary is bringing them all together. As the Father and the Son are completing the Paschal mystery and are ready to give them the Holy Spirit, it is Mary who is preparing her children for this great event. And of course, what she does with them is what she wants to do with us. As we spend this week in prayer, preparing to celebrate the beautiful feast of Pentecost, let us, like the disciples, spend it with Mary so that she can mold us and form us into the sons and daughters of God we are called to be.